Glad you could join us. Welcome to the Young Culture Podcast, a space where young adults from all backgrounds and experiences share their ideas and opinions. Hope you enjoy this episode and get inspired to show others what you're passionate about. Hey everyone, so we have a new episode this week and we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is mental health. And to help us learn more about mental health, I have Melissa here with me. So Melissa, how are you doing? Hi, Vanita. I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yes, I'm so excited. So before we go ahead into what we're going to discuss, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. So I am a licensed therapist. I'm licensed in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and South Carolina. I am first-generation American. My parents are from Cuba, so I work a lot with like Gen Z, millennial, first-generation American clients. So anything from advocating to like their parents, letting them go away for college, dating outside of the culture, (laughs) you name it. I've seen it and I've worked with it. Oh my gosh. I feel all of those things so relatable to so many people. So before we uh, talk a little bit more about that, I want to know, because, you know, we were talking earlier and we're in the same field. So I want to know what um, made you want to pursue a career in counseling? You know, I grew up with um, a stepdad who was battling mental illness and like I was really interested in learning more about his diagnosis and when he was experiencing psychosis or manic episodes, I just kind of wanted to understand it better and learn how to communicate like within the home. So when I was in high school, I took an elective psychology class and I had like a motive for taking the class, which was personal. Like I just wanted to understand my stepdad better. But then I really fell in love with the world of psychology and learning about different like theorists. And I tell people like, ultimately, I became a therapist so that I can be for others what I wish I had when I was going through that phase of life. Hmm, 100%. I can totally resonate with that. And um, also curious, what are the theoretical orientations that you resonate with and that you use in your practice? Yeah, so I use CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I know is like the hottest theory in our field because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of evidence to support its efficacy. So that's one theory that I do tend to use. I use a lot of CBT techniques with clients. Um, I also tend to be pretty person-centered too and strengths-based. I kind of joke that I'm all over the place and pretty (laughs) eclectic with my styles. So sometimes I have to tweak according to who I'm working with. Yeah, that's kind of something that I've learned too while being in the program that I didn't really necessarily understand when I was younger and say a client of a counselor as well, is that you do need the multiple different forms and kind of combine it to have a unique approach depending on who you're serving. So I think that's great that you're um, accessing a bunch of different tools. So something that I want to touch on that you're speaking on earlier is being a Uh, first-generation American and kind of helping Gen Z and millennials navigate through different kinds of scenarios, especially in the home. And I can wholeheartedly resonate with that as well. And that's kind of something that I've 
also personally have gone to counseling for as well is most importantly how to navigate your place in the household and amongst your community as well. So that's something that I've been really passionate about learning and motivates me to be in counseling as well is just adding to um, being part of the representation in the counseling world. So I want to know too, from your point of view, how important do you think it is to have more therapists from diverse cultural backgrounds? Oh, it's so important because the science shows that the therapeutic relationship is paramount, regardless of the techniques or the theories that you're using as a therapist. Number one, at the very root of it, you have to be building relationships with your clients because that's what's going to keep them motivated in therapy. And yeah, that's that's really like the foundation. So I think it's super important because the research shows that people People tend to click and connect with um, therapists of their own background. It just feels safer. Um, you know that they get it like on a fundamental yeah. level. If you, especially if you're speaking, like I speak Spanglish, yeah. so there might be little phrases and stuff that my clients use, and I use it too. And it just it really like enriches the relationship and strengthens the therapeutic bond, which is like paramount for healing. So I think it's super important to have like just counselors, therapists of various backgrounds in the field so that clients can see themselves in therapy. I couldn't agree more. And I also want to know, growing up, did you ever have the opposite experience where you were kind of looking for supports or trying to access resources and you found that there wasn't that cultural competency amongst the adults that you were trying to connect with? You know, I had a really unique experience growing up because I always tell people I was so lucky to grow up in Miami. Like that's my yeah. hometown. Okay. And Miami is awesome because it's so diverse and it's right. so international. So I was always really lucky to have like a dentist, a pediatrician, <laughs> professors, teachers. They, I, I just saw myself in them because it was such an international city. So mm -hmm. as far as like growing up, like I, I had that unique experience where like I was really lucky to be in those shoes. But definitely when I became a clinician and I was working in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, which is like the number six largest city in the country. Like you would think that there would be a lot of um, bilingual therapists because of how large of a Spanish speaking population there is in that city. And no, that wasn't the case. Oftentimes I was the only Spanish speaking therapist in agencies in Philadelphia. Wow. Wow, that must have been a big, uh, big shoe to fill when you're like the only resource. And yeah, that's something I'm starting to learn, too, especially in the time that we're in now compared to before was that, I guess, my blinders from before didn't realize that the language barrier, um, it creates a huge challenge to access mental health resources. And so I didn't realize this before where, you know, when you are, say, you're English speaking and you are dealing with a client that can't speak English, for the longest time it was like, oh, they don't understand what's going on or they don't understand blah, blah, blah. But then I started to realize it's like, no, they fully understand. It's just they don't have that medium where they can relay that back to you and like back and forth. So now that you kind of are in those shoes, like, do you see a lot of therapeutic gains when you 
are able to speak to them in Spanish and being able to understand what's going on and do the back and forth? Oh, 100%. I mean, in a lot of minority cultures, there's a culture of shame when it comes to seeking out, especially mental health services, because there's an automatic like negative bias that if you're seeking a therapist, something is deeply wrong with you. Absolutely. So when you can speak in the client's like native language, there's like just a sudden sense of safety and like, okay, this is somebody from my own background. Um, they get it. I can like really confide in them and start to build that therapeutic relationship. And it just makes it easier for them to express themselves versus if there's like a translator in between. Now it's not just one person finding out their business. Now it's two people <laughs> that they're like opening up to. And that can be like extra vulnerable when they're already nervous to come in like in the first place. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Even for myself too, um, I've gone to counseling. I've seen a few different counselors and I never realized that I did this, but e not just counselors, like any kind of service or any kind of person, I never realized how much time I always allocated to explaining myself and explaining my situation first before diving into something. And then when I actually... Um, the last counselor that I had was the same background as me and I didn't have to explain myself. And that was such a different experience, but it was amazing. Like I loved it so much. Oh, I love to hear that. Yeah. See, like I'm assuming that for you, it must have just felt so safe and like, oh, okay, this is a person that gets it. I don't have to go in too deep because just on a deeper cultural level of growing up, whichever culture it is, it's like, okay, they get it on a deep level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And then another thing too, that I'm actually learning in class right now is the difference, like cultural competency, I feel like is such a wide term. And I like, you know, as we're doing our coursework, and we're talking a lot about cultural competency, I wanted to get your take as well. Like a counselor of any background, when you say you're culturally competent, does that kind of, does that in a sense leave you with a big umbrella that you're culturally aware to work with people of any culture? Or do you feel like you kind of have to do that extra work and that there's, there's more levels to this cultural competency than just that big buzzword? Right. I think that there's definitely like more levels to it. Um, and I think that we should always be doing the work. And even though, you know, I am a Latinx counselor, I am from one specific group. So I can't assume that I know everything about all the other like Latin American representation that's out there. So one way that like I try to like stay as culturally competent as possible is to admit when I don't understand something, even within Spanish, there are some words that like me as a Cuban, I use, but in another culture, it could be a bad word <laughs> that I just used, you know? Yeah. So it's good to like check in and to admit like, oh, I don't know what that means. Can you explain to me? You're showing interest too, like with your client when you're admitting, like, I don't know what this is, but I'm curious to find out. And if finding this out, is important like to help you heal then I'm I'm wanting to do that work I yeah I absolutely agree I think um something too as counselors or even anyone in the helping field I think sometimes we might go into it thinking that we have to have it all figured out but 
um, I think, yeah, like you said, it does make the connection stronger when you don't like put up that front and you can say like, you know, let's be collaborative on this. Let's work on this together. I totally agree. And as you were saying earlier, your focus is towards helping the Latinx community. So I just wanted to know as well, is this kind of something to um, help your community? Is this something that you kind of went into this profession knowing that you wanted to do? Or is it kind of like something that you kind of realized along the way and you're like, oh, yes, I definitely want to prioritize helping out my community? You know, it really did happen by chance. Mm-hmm. Um like I went into it just open to like different populations. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about like niching or just helping these like specific clients. Mm -hmm. So as I went into it, I saw the need because like I said, I was in this huge city, um, not a lot of other Spanish speaking mental health professionals. So I just saw like, wow, this is very necessary. And even with some of the clients that were coming in and they were so nervous and they would admit like at the intake, I'm so nervous. I I don't want to be here. I'm scared. Um, Are you going to tell anybody my business? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, I have to really use my tool, which is like, you know, being Hispanic, speaking Spanish to help heal my community. Absolutely. And what kind of themes did you find um, occurring over and over again as you were working with your community? Um, I guess a lot of grief, you know, there's a lot of grief, um, shame, guilt. Guilt, I think, is like a big one that people work through, like things from the past too. If I'm working with like older clients, they reminisce on the past. My younger clients have a lot of fear about the future, which I think spans like just different cultures. I think Mm -hmm. it's normal when you're young to be like, oh, what, what school do I go to? What should I go to school? Should I just get a job? So Mm -hmm. it like really varies. Yeah, I, I can imagine there's probably so many different kinds of themes. And it's it's always great when you can provide that safe space to kind of discover those themes, because even as like a first generation um, Canadian, I there's a lot of things that I didn't realize, but having that space to explore it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, like, this is something that shows up in my life a lot. And another thing that I wanted to ask you as well, and something that I'm kind of thinking about on a personal level, too, is, you know, when you're trying to be um, of help to your community, especially in a counselor role, the things that are um, these themes that come up, especially in your community, I'm sure these are things that you probably experienced yourself growing up as well. So when you, these are situations that like resonated with you and, you know, you've experienced yourself and then you're also helping people in your community navigate those same things. Like how do you take care of yourself and how do you navigate your position in all of this? Yeah, so I'm in a unique position because it's funny, when I work with my clients, I feel like I'm almost sitting with a version of myself that no longer exists because I'm so far removed from that. Like those same Mm -hmm. things that happened to me, like wanting to go away for school, trying to convince your parents, like all that stuff that I see like often in like my practice, I feel so far from it. So Mm -hmm. I'm finding that it doesn't really like trigger me in any way. I'm not feeling any type of counter-transference, maybe because I'm now double the age of the people that I'm working with. Like I'm thinking that maybe that's what it is, that I'm just not feeling it like I'm not finding it to be emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. 
that totally makes sense. It's, I guess it's coming from like a wisdom perspective as opposed to like actively engaging in the same things. And I know, yeah, I know there's other people out there that are wanting, I actually know, I definitely know there's people out there that are wanting to, you know, help their community with whatever's going on. A lot of people are advocating for mental health, especially in their um, groups. How, like, what kind of advice would you give them so that they can also take care of themselves as they're also supporting other people? Oh, for sure. I think that we all need to be going to therapy, Mm -hmm. especially as healers. Like we need our own space to talk about our own worries, both professional and personal. Um, I try to work out every single day. Like I need it for my own good, (laughs) for like my endorphins in my brain. Um, And the people you surround yourself with too, like outside of work, like making sure that your friends, your family, that you're dealing with people that are able to like pour back into you because we're always pouring onto others because of the field that we're in. So just any way that you can charge your battery and take care of yourself, whether it's like exercise, hobbies, spending time with friends, like I totally encourage that. Agreed. I always like that meme. It always pops up at the right time, but it's like, you know, you wouldn't ever let your phone battery die. So you shouldn't let your own battery die as well. Yes. (laughs) I love that. It's so true. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've touched on a lot of great different topics about, you know, cultural diversity, especially with mental health and accessing services. So things as like, you know, feeling more comfort and safe with someone that you can relate to. So I think that that alone uncovers such a huge barrier that I think uh, lots of people of color struggle with, especially when it comes to their mental health. So Is there any other advice that you would love to give, um, you know, to the Latinx community and anyone else who this could resonate to, to feel more comfortable with um, supporting their mental health and even starting that dialogue in their own networks to, you know, encourage these kind of dialogues and to support their mental health and to go to therapy? Yeah. So my advice often is like, be the light, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. be the example. It's okay to like step forward and be the one to normalize conversations around mental health and admitting to people when you're struggling, which is something that I really, really love about my Gen Z clients. I really love that. They're so open. They're so raw. They're so real. Like I find it to be so refreshing because a lot of the referrals that I get are from like their own friends and they'll call me. They'll be like, so-and-so referred me to you. They said you were awesome and I want to work with you. Like They're just so open and they're connecting. And I really love to see the vulnerability. So that would be my advice is like, I know that being vulnerable can be scary, um, but I encourage vulnerability and admitting that maybe things aren't perfect. And when you are that example, you're allowing others to like admit it and seek the help that they need. Yeah, exactly. It's like a domino effect. I always say like, there's so many different topics. It's if you're like brave enough to open up and talk about it, you kind of can see in the room people's like a sigh of relief, like their shoulders drop a little. Then they're just like, oh, okay, like I feel the same way. It's cool to know that you feel the same way. It's just a huge domino effect. Yes, because I feel like that's our gift, our authenticity, keeping it real. When some when you spot somebody that's like being vulnerable and authentic, it gives you permission to do the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I totally agree with the Gen Z uh, comment. I used to work at a high school and 
there was a student that I was working with and they're like, okay, I'm feeling really anxious right now. So this is what I need to do for myself to, um, kind of to calm down and to deal with my anxiety. And I just looked at them and I'm like, huh, how did you know that? <laughs> how did you I know. How are you so aware of anxiety? How are you able to advocate for yourself? How did you already know how to cope? I was like, that day was so memorable for me. I'm like, this is amazing. If there's more people like this as time moves forward, like that to me is really exciting. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. Like, I just, I love their authenticity because I'm like in my thirties. So I don't know exactly where I fall, like on the millennial spectrum, but I just remember growing up, everybody wanted to appear perfect. Like perfectionism was the goal. And with Gen Z, I feel like authenticity is the goal. And that is so cool and just so refreshing. It's so true. I remember even one time, another time I was working with some youth and I'm like, oh, when you're legal, you're going to party and you're going to go clubbing and do all these cool things. And they're like, um, I'm just going to stay home. Like, I just, I just like being at home. I'm going to hang out. And I was like, huh? (laughs) So true to like who they are. It's so amazing. I love that. Yeah. It's so refreshing. It totally is. And, um, just to, um, move focus and talk about your practice as well um do you have any future goals for your practice is there anything else that you're trying to dive into yeah so on the 26th it's officially my one year anniversary um just being on my own I know yay (laughs) being on my own kind of being my own boss and like setting up my own schedule, accepting the clients I want to work with. So on the 26th, I'll be celebrating that. And then I'm actually in the middle of working on a book and it's going to be geared towards like Gen Z, pretty young millennial uh, Latina girls. And I talk about like the expectations within our culture and like family expectations and dating and friendships and self-esteem I'm gonna talk about all that stuff so I'm like almost done with it like I'm gonna be writing the last chapter in a few weeks so I'm doing that now that is so exciting that book is gonna be a gift to so many people I think a lot of people will be happy once that book's done Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was my goal. And it's funny that you say that because that was exactly what I told my writing coach. I was like, I feel like I want to use the wisdom that I've gained through everything that I've gone and not only with my stories, but my clients' stories. And I want to gift it to like the next generation, like almost like passing the torch and being like, here, I went through this so that you don't have to. (laughs) I know. I love that. And, you know, it was weird. I was thinking about this uh, recently and even just kind of understanding like where I fit in this world and like counseling and everything. And, you know, if you go way back in time, like storytelling and, you know, yeah, older generations passing information to younger generations, such an old like ancestral practice. And like the fact that we can do that in this generation in our own ways, I think it's really cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like everything we've gone through, all our stories, they have deep meaning. And I feel like it's our duty to just pass it on to the people that are coming behind us so that then they can go into like their arenas in life with the wisdom that we were able to offer them. Oh, I love it. And you kind of spoke on this earlier, but if you want to add anything else, um, I have a check-in question for you. And it's how would you define today's young culture? Ooh, authentic. 
Yeah. They're so cool. I love them. Sometimes I'm like, God, why am I not a Gen Z? I feel <laughs> like I totally get them. Um, yeah, they're very authentic. Oh, I love that. And how can we find you if we want to know more about your work and find your practice? Yes. So everything I put, I put on Instagram and my handle is mmbhealing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about your work and just more about like cultural diversity, especially in mental health. I think it's an important conversation and there's never going to be too much of it. I think the more dialogue, the better. So I appreciate you coming in and telling us more about your experiences. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the space to do that. It's been so fun. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone for listening in. If you get a chance, please check out my Instagram at Young Culture Podcast and we'll talk to you soon.